This is the Byron Bledsoe Podcast, Senior Pastor of C3 Church in Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for checking out today's message. We hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. If you're here this morning and maybe you're a guest, maybe you're a Christ follower, you get it? Maybe you're not a Christ follower. Maybe you're in a place where you'd say, you know, I'm not convinced. I don't know that I personally believe the Bible is actually the Word of God. I want you to know you're welcome here. But it will not surprise you that we do believe Scripture is the Word of God. And so, just as an act of honor, we stand when we read the Scripture. Matthew, I mean, Mark chapter 14, verse 3. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume. It's interesting to me in the Bible, like God could just say she came with perfume or she came with expensive perfume, but he takes the time to say very expensive perfume. Made of pure nard, she broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor and they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. Not for me, not with me, but to me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this moment, these moments that we have together this morning. I pray that in the next few moments you would speak to our hearts. God, I pray we would be open to what you want to say to each of our lives. Father, no matter, what, no matter what kind of week it's been, I pray that you would simply help us in these moments to focus our minds and center our hearts on the truth that you want to speak into our lives. I pray for those who may need comfort or encouragement, that you would do that. I pray for those of us that may need to be corrected about some area in our lives, that we're not living the life you created us to live. We're not living the best life that you've created us for. I pray you would show us that as well. Have your way in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Please be seated. Last week, we kicked off this series, I Will So We Can. And we're talking as a church about loving God and loving others and what that looks like. Jesus said, when he was asked, what's the bottom line? What's the big deal in life? He said, love God and love others. And if you are a guest, you came on a great Sunday because we are in process of, of moving to a permanent home in just a couple of weeks, which is awesome. It's awesome. And so as we're getting ready for that, we're talking about some things as a church family, having some family conversations to be prepared for what God is doing and what, what, what God wants to do in the life of C3, how we can best love God and love others well. And so you're going to hear a very uh, transparent perspective about what we believe as not only followers of Jesus, but followers of Jesus that are a part of C3, about what we believe God has for us and wants for us and what Scripture teaches. To do that, I want to ask you a very simple question. The question is simple, but the answer will be more complex. As you think about your life, what is the most extravagant thing you've ever done in your life? For some of you, it's the proposal. You planned it, 
You, you spared no expense. You laid out how you would propose. You had videographers there. You had photographers there. And you were extravagant when it came to the proposal. Or for others of you, maybe it was your first home. You sacrificed and you, you planned and you set everything up and you were able to buy that, that first home. I don't know what it may be in your life. There, there have been moments in my life that for me, based on, based on how I view extravagance, felt a little bit extravagant or maybe a lot extravagant. When I was in high school, I grew up in Texas and in the summers I would get a part-time job. And my dad would not let me work during the school year. He wanted me to focus on my education. My dad, my dad was one of the assistant principals at my high school. That was a party. And so, but he had me focus on school during the school year. And then in the summer, I could get a job. And so in the summers, I worked for H.B. Nild Construction Company. Had a construction job, just, just grunt labor, running around, running errands, doing whatever I was told to do. But I was grateful for it. But I remember the summer, the first summer that Angie and I were dating. We met in high school and we were dating, and her, her birthday is actually at the end of the summer. And so when her birthday came around, we're about to go back to school, the summer's wrapping up, and, and during the summer, this job, I would set aside and save the money, and that would be my, my gas money and things like that during the school year. But for her birthday that year, end of the summer, I spent every penny I made on gifts for her for her birthday. Now, guys, let, let me tell you something. If you're dating somebody and you do that, um, you got to set a pace where you can beat it the next year, and that's, that's very hard to do when you do that the first year. But, and by the first week of September, I was out of gas money. So, but but that, that felt extravagant for me. I don't know what it is in your life, but we know what extravagance looks like. You can think about the moments. Maybe there have only been a couple in your life where you were extravagant about something. We have no problem with extravagance if it's pointed in the direction of someone or something we love. We know we can't pull it off all the time because it's extravagant. It, it takes going beyond the norm. It takes stepping into what some might call extreme. It's, it's extravagant. Have you ever asked yourself the question, what have I done in my life to show extravagant love to my Savior? Have you ever asked that question? If you look up the definition of extravagance in Webster, it's going to talk about going beyond what's normal. It's, it's going to talk about even maybe going into the extreme, and we're taught in life that it's not good to live in the extreme. We're taught to, to live in moderation, and we're, we're taught that we need to set a pace that is sustainable, and so extravagance can be looked at as something that is negative, but I would submit to you that there was nothing less than extravagant about what Jesus did for us. Coming to earth, living his life, teaching his teachings, dying on a cross for your sin and for my sin. Three days later, defeating that. He spared nothing. I would say Jesus was fully extravagant in showing his love for us. So what have you done in your life that you would define as extravagant in showing your love for your Savior? What's the most extravagant thing you've ever done for God? I love this passage. It's a story of extravagance. It's one of my favorite passages in the New Testament. Notice again, while he was in Bethany, he's speaking of Jesus. Reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume. She broke the jar and poured perfume on his head. Now, this is, this is not the cheap, knock, cheap knockoff brand. 
This is not the pretend stuff. She takes the most expensive thing she has and she breaks it and she gives it to Jesus. This one single act of extravagant worship, extravagant love, extravagant faith. Have you ever done anything in how you worship? How you function in your life as a follower of Jesus? Have you ever done anything that's extravagant in your worship toward God, toward Jesus, just because? I would submit to you that raising my hands as high as I can raise them or singing as loud as I can sing, that's not extravagant. I would submit to you that the most extravagant worship does not happen when we sing. The most extravagant worship happens when we give. Not just financially, but of our time. When we sacrifice for God or for others. The most extravagant thing is not even what happens in this room as an act of worship. Worship, yes, singing has something to do with it. And God uses singing. and It's biblical. It's part of, part of worship. Absolutely. The Bible says make a joyful noise. That's the best I can do. But some of you can sing really well. And so it's part of it. But listen, if your worship experience ends with a feeling you feel in a room with a song that you like, that is not extravagant worship. And often what happens in worship when it comes to music is we begin to chase feelings more than the Father. Oh, that song, that song, that's... No, no, no. Let's worship Jesus more than the song. And worship, God uses that in a powerful way. But... Your worship is extremely shallow if all you do is raise a hand or sing a song, but you're not connected financially as a follower of Jesus investing in what God is doing. It's not profound worship. It is not Profound worship is something that happens in private places when we're talking to God in prayer and motivated by the Spirit of God and act on what God is leading us to do and reading His Word and God is speaking to us. And so we do that uncomfortable thing and have an awkward conversation with a coworker, or we step into a place of extravagance where we go beyond what is comfortable and what we're investing in the local church, which the Bible says is the hope of the world. That's extravagant worship. So what have you done for God that you and God would say, knowing everything about your life, that was extravagant. Some of, the, some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? Now what's interesting, we learn in another one of the gospels, the pushback came from one of Jesus' disciples, Judas, who would eventually betray Jesus, but there were some other disciples that were not arguing with Judas, and so, so those that were close to Jesus looked at what someone did for Jesus and called it waste. I've, I've wasted some things in my life. Years ago, we lived in Missouri. I was going to school, and Angie flew to Florida to see her family. And I went with a buddy to the store, and I learned this was the first time I was introduced. I, I learned that I could get a credit card at a store, and I could buy a stereo, and it'd only be 50 bucks a month. For the next 8,700 years, but 50 bucks a month, I can buy. And back in the day, like if you're under 30, I don't know if you're going to understand this. You can Google it later. But back in the day, stereos came in this huge cabinet about this tall. And it had a glass front with all these components and the speakers on each side of it. You could not fit the stereo in your car. It was the size of a car. And, and I, I thought, man, we need that. I bought it. I bought it. Angie's out of town. I'm going to surprise her. And, and, 
And then I looked, and in the same, in the same department, the salesman, well, he was so helpful, so helpful. Right over here are these TVs. And if you're gonna buy one, you can get it on credit, it's not that much a month. You buy the best one you can buy, because if you get that TV, you can connect it to that stereo and the movies that you watch, the sound that's gonna come out. And by the way, to watch those movies, VCR, you don't know what that means, you can look that up too. But you had to get the top of the line VCR to connect to the TV and the stereo to watch the movies. Now, we lived in a place in Missouri, a rural community, where I pastored, I pastored this little country church. I still pray for those people. Oh, my goodness, I pray for those people. I was terrible. But, but I pastored this little church, and they paid me $400 a month. And they let, they let us live in what was called the parsonage, and that's a home that the church provides for the parson or the pastor that you get to live in. And it happened to be an 18-year-old mobile home with tires on the roof so the roof wouldn't blow off. And so this big pioneer stereo system, I could not turn it up above two or the walls would rattle too much, but, but I loved it. And I was so excited to have the TV and the stereo and the VCR. And, and you know that feeling when you get what you want? And it, it, lasted, it lasted about a week. Till Angie came home from Florida, and she walked to the front door, and I showed her what I had, and the, rea the reaction was not what I had planned, and we had a conversation that's really none of your business, so I'm not telling you about it, but I had buyer's remorse very quickly. There are times in my life that I have wasted what I've spent money on, but I've got to be honest. Every single penny, every single dime that I've ever given Angie and I to the local church, I have never regretted one penny of it, because it's not spending, it's investing. Many of you are here. Those of you in the room that, that are faithful and generous in, in, in what you invest in C3, there are people that have given their lives to Jesus in this room because of your investment, because you fund what God is doing through the life of C3. I've never for a moment regretted that. But some people that hung out with Jesus, that were followers of Jesus, looked at what someone else did and said, whoa, 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 that, that's, that's too much. That's too much. They would have done well, just like you and I would do well in our culture today, to take a big, big dose of mind your own business because some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. Man, that sounds like a great idea. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, Jesus said. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. What Jesus calls beautiful, they called waste. And if you're not careful in your own life, in my life, if we're not careful, there will be things that God will lead us to do occasionally that we step into the level of extravagance. And it may not be the people out there, it may be the person in here that tells you that, that that's wasteful. Are, are you sure? That's wasteful. Don't, don't do that. What they called waste, Jesus called beautiful. He basically is saying she could have done some good things, but she has chosen an extravagant act of worship to go beyond some things to the main thing. And there's nothing that defeats greed in our lives. There's, there's nothing that breaks the back of greed in your life, your legacy, and your family tree and turns our hearts more to Jesus and creates more connection with us and the Father than going all in.
Jesus says, she has done a beautiful thing to me. So I've asked you to be praying. If you're a part of C3, I've asked you to be praying about what God would lead you and your family to give over and above for the next 12 months to I will so we can. But it is a spiritual journey that I'm inviting, I'm inviting you to join me and Angie and our team on. It's something that I don't want you to miss because in all the years of pastoring churches and all the years of, of being in ministry and engaging with people, I watch, I watch finances create more stress than anything else. I watch the pressure of I want, I gotta figure out how to get, I need. Isn't it funny what we think we need? Remember when you were a kid and you needed that thing for Christmas and you got it and by February you don't even know where it is? Parents, you feel that because you buy that. Well, Santa brings some, but you buy some, however that works. But, but you, you feel that. Man, they had to have it by February or March and you know what you spent on it because it's awesome. In December, it's, it's, it's buy. And by the way, you, you might, from what I'm hearing, want to start a little bit earlier this year, but, but it, it's buy for Christmas. Credit card bills don't hit till January. And about the time the bills hit, they're not that jacked about the toy anymore. It's just sort of the pace of life, the financial pressure that we live in. She has done a beautiful thing to me, a beautiful thing. We chase beauty. We spend millions trying to attain it and hold it and capture it and be it. Beauty. We want a beautiful life. We want a marriage that is described as beautiful. We want our parenting to be beautiful and our career to be beautiful. We want our friendships to be beautiful. But there's some people, and maybe this would describe you, there's some people whose lives and marriages and families and careers and friendships have a lot of cracks. There are some people, in fact, a lot of people that hope no one ever sees what they believe about themselves as ugly or broken. And some of you, you feel like your life may be called a lot of things, but beautiful is not one of them. Death Valley is in Eastern California, and it covers 3.3 million acres. It rains less than two inches a year in Death Valley, and because of that, it has always looked desolate and dry and harsh and dusty and broken. But something happened in 2004 that went into 2005, something that had not happened before. Death Valley experienced the wettest year on record. And while normally only getting two inches of rain in a year, in an eight-month period, Death Valley got more than three times that amount of rain. And it transformed that, that wet, that, that dry and dead into something beautifully living, something they had never seen in that valley before. Death Valley is the place that recorded the highest temperature ever recorded in the United States in July of 1913, 134 degrees. Desolate, dry, dusty, broken, nobody wanting to go there, nothing to see there. The picture of death 
in Death Valley. But for eight months, over three times the normal level of rain and millions of seeds under the ground that had laid dormant for years, just under the surface. It had only been exposed to harsh heat until 2004. But when the rains came, what was under the surface, what was there all the time, it was able to bring beauty that had never been experienced before. This was Death Valley after just eight months of regular, consistent rain. No flooding, no thunderstorms, no, no big torrential downpours, just consistent showers all the time. I, I wonder today, I wonder what God has put just under the surface in your life that has been there all along, and when you look at it, you see what is desolate and broken and harsh. You don't see anything that's beautiful. I wonder what the regular, consistent rain of extravagant worship with your finances could bring to the surface of your life. I wonder what beauty has been unseen by you that the downpours of obedience could reveal. And you might say, well, why would you connect that to finances? Because God did. In Malachi 3, he says, this is the one area that I want you to test me. In the area of tithing, bringing the first 10% to the local church, letting God be God instead of your finances being God. And God says, if you'll test me here, I will do what? Open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing you won't be able to hold it all. I wonder what it is in your life that you think is dead and all it needs is the watering of obedience in your life to what you know God wants you to do. Have you ever in your life done anything extravagant for God or for others? That's why this opportunity that we share in this moment is so profound and so powerful, not just for C3, but for you and your family. Because I'm asking you to take a journey, a spiritual journey. I'm asking you to pray and ask God, God, what would you ask us to bring over and above over the next 12 months? Not, not just one big offering, not one big thunderstorm. The biblical pattern for success has always been consistency. Genesis through Revelation. We have a problem with consistency. It's why many of you, you say, man, I, I don't go on a diet anymore. They don't work. Because you went on a diet. I don't know if you picked keto or paleo or vegan or what you chose to do, intermittent fasting. I, I don't know how you did it, but you picked that diet and you were really good through lunch. But by dinner time, you hadn't lost any weight, so you ate a dozen donuts because the diet didn't work. You tried it one day, diets don't work for me. For the diet to work, you've got to work the diet. And to experience everything God has for you in your life, hey, a lot of it is not going to accidentally just happen. There are places in Scripture where God says, if you do this, I will do this. And I don't want you to miss what God wants to do in your life through your life, the journey he wants to take you on over the next 12 months, and what he might bring up in your life that at one time you called ugly, but now you see the reality of the beauty that's always been there because you were willing to say yes to being extravagant in what God is asking you to do. Have you ever done that? Have you ever in your life, you, you've tried a lot of things. You've done a lot of things. You're here in some part, not just to worship God, you're, you're here because you want your life to be better and you want to be better at life. But, but being here, like, it doesn't just rub off on you. You've got to do something with what the Word of God says. And, and, and some of you, for years, man, you'd say you worship and you give God a tip every now and then, 
but God is still not fully God in your life. Your finances are. And you, you want the blessings of God somehow, and, and you hope that God will work in your life somehow, and you want, you want good relationships or a good marriage and a, a good future and a good career, and you, you want all that stuff, but, but you want the parts of God that, that you decided benefit you, and the other stuff that seems hard or challenging or you're not comfortable with, you don't want that stuff. And when you function like that, you've called the wrong person God because you're being your God. You say, man... You seem, you seem to be coming a little strong about this. I am. I am. Because if I, if I could do it for you, I would. If I could get you to take the step of faith that God's going to be asking you to take over the next 12 months, if you're a Christ follower and part of C3, you would see a whole lot of that in your life. Maybe not financially, maybe in your health, maybe in answered prayer, maybe in things God has for you that you don't even know about, maybe in your career. I, I don't know how he's going to bless you. I just know he promises to. And over the years, I watch people internally fold their arms and think, I, I, I can't do that. I, I, my, my finance, I'm just not in a place where I can do that. Listen, the more jacked up your financial life is, the more you need to rush to partnering with God in your finances. The more messed up things are, the, the tighter that it feels, the more you need to run to God and say, okay, God, I'm going to put you first financially. Because this is true not just in finances, but in every area of life. Wherever I invite God into my life and put him first, he partners with me in that area of my life. Where I don't, he doesn't. And then some of you, you might be thinking, man, I've, I've already got a lot of beauty in my life. I'm good. My career is good. My family's good. I, I, I don't need to invest in the local church that much. I mean, I'm, I'm good. Are you you're being so foolish and so short-sighted? You think because you've achieved good that great's not really possible, but what if God has so much more for you that it would blow your mind that you're missing it because you're good? It's often not desperation that causes us to miss what God has for us in life. It's often the apathy that we carry around with us every day. I don't want you to miss what God wants you to do. And if you think, listen, listen, listen. If you're a part of C3 and you think I'm trying to manipulate you or pressure you or, or twist your arm, I'm not. If you think that, don't give a dime. I, I want you to experience the blessings of God, so give to another church. You can still come here. God's gonna take care of C3. God has opened the doors for this, this building and this opportunity to impact over 540,000 people in a 15-minute range of that campus. What an incredible opportunity. God's gonna take care of that. My passion comes from, I don't want you to miss it. I'm tired of watching families set themselves up for failure because they decide there's a part of Scripture they just can't or won't obey. I'm weary of watching kids pay the price for parents who don't want to bring any discipline into their lives in this area to put God first and finally trust Him. You trust Him. You say you trust Him to get you to heaven when this life's over, but you can't trust Him to handle your finances? You, you say you trust Him to forgive your sin? but you can't trust him to get you to your next paycheck? You have an opportunity to grow your faith, to see God do something special in your life. And I'm not asking you to give a specific amount. I'm asking you to pray. I'm asking you to connect with God. I'm asking you to seek God. I'm asking you to say, God, that, that's, that's why we're not saying, hey, tell us today. That's why we're saying November the 7th. 
Because I want there to be time for you to have that spiritual journey of seeking God and saying, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want our family to do? Over and above for the next 12 months, what do you want us to do? And the only thing I want you to do is what God leads you to do. That's all I'm asking you. I just know what's on the other side of it because I've, I've lived this more than once. I, I talk to people who live this and too many of you you're missing out, you're missing out on this in your lives. And I don't want you to miss out anymore. So on November the 7th, we're each going to bring, if you're a part of C3, a pledge card with the amount that you feel like God is leading you to give over and above. It's the Sunday that we're planning, the first Sunday in our new home. And we're going to bring that card. And I want these cards because I want to be able to be praying for you by name over the next 12 months. And then we're going to bring our first and best offering on that day to I will so we can. And as we've been getting ready for this, I've been praying for you. I've been praying for us. That we would respond to the spiritual journey that God is inviting us to take. Praying that God would give us an appetite for the impossible that would create a tsunami of generosity in our lives, that, that would birth an epidemic of hope that changes the lives of thousands and thousands of people. Do you understand what God has done for us? Do you understand what God is doing in the life of C3? He's strategically placing us in an area that has five times the amount of people in 15 minutes as to where we've been an area we can provide more hope for more people, more help for more people, see more people meet Jesus. But to do that, we've been strong, but we've got to become stronger. So I'm asking God, please use us to bring hope and life to this community. And as you're praying about your part, what God would have you do, I really have believed this week that God wants me to just share one word with you. Would you be willing to consider an extravagant act of worship. Have you ever done anything with your faith on a level that you feel it? Have you ever brought consistency in an area? And listen, I understand. I understand finances can be a difficult area. I, I understand. See, I'm, I'm normal just like you. And you know, th th there's not something that happens when you become a pastor. Th there's not something that happens where it's like, oh, I just want to give everything away now. Oh, I don't want anything for myself. No, that, <laughs> I have the same desires you have. I watch the same commercials you watch. I drive by the Harley dealership or the Indian dealership just like you do. Like, I, I see it. I don't, I don't do what I do in my life financially because it comes naturally or easy to me. I wrestled for years. The only regret that I have is that I didn't start obeying Scripture sooner and do more faster because of what I've seen God do as a result of it in our lives over the last many years since we've been doing it. So would you be willing to step into something that perhaps you've never done before to, to stretch your faith to the place where God, with all that's happening in the world, would turn his attention to your act of worship, to my act of worship, and to say, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. 
hey, we live in a messed up, broken, fouled up world that seems to be getting more so every day. And I don't know that there's been a time in my lifetime that the world has needed the church more than right now. And so the whole thing Jesus said about love God and love others, this is our moment. That great theologian Eminem, he was right. This is our moment. We've got to seize this opportunity and be ready for what God wants to do in the lives of others through us. It's, no, it's interesting to me what this lady experienced. She received criticism for her act of worship. And she had a mentality that said, you're not going to stop me. You're not going to stop me. But she also had a mentality that said, I'm not going to stop me. I'm not going to convince myself that what God wants me to do is too much. I'm not going to convince myself all the reasons I can't. I want to go on a faith journey. I want to seek God and say, God, what do you want me to do over and above? And what he says, that's what I want to do. So I'm going to ask the ushers to pass these cards out. Go ahead, guys and ladies, and pass these out. I want you to have this. Take it home with you. I'm not asking you to fill it out today, but I want you to see what it's going to be that we're going to be turning in on November the 7th. Because I don't want you to miss having a growth experience in your life over the next 12 months and live in that kind of extravagance and see what God does in your life. I don't want you to miss that. I want God to say, man, what you've done is a beautiful thing. It's interesting in verse 8, the poor you will always have with you and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. That There will always be good causes. There will always be things that will be helpful that you can pour your life into. But, but the church is the main thing. The Bible says the church is the hope of the world. It's interesting to me. Sometimes I meet people that say, man, I love God. I just don't like church. And you know what? I understand that. I understand that. I got to be honest. The greatest people I've ever met, I met at church. I met my bride at church when we were in high school. I, I, I met you, most of you, I met at church. The greatest people I've ever met, I met at church. I've also got to be honest and tell you, some of the meanest people I've ever met, I met at church. Have you met them? Like, anybody know? If you go to C3, they don't stay around here very long, but growing up in church, man, some of the meanest people I've ever met, I met at church. <clears throat> and sometimes there are these people that say, man, I, I love God, I just don't like church, because they've had a bad experience. Well, do you understand in Scripture, the Bible says that the church is the bride of Christ? So to have a problem with the church, to have a problem investing in the church financially that, that God says is the hope of the world, that'd be like if you came up to me and said, man, I like you, but I can't stand your bride. I will punch you in the throat. If you don't like Angie, I don't like you. Like we have an issue. And so you cannot disconnect the church. I'm not talking about people that claim the name of Jesus and have not represented him well. I'm talking about the actual church, people that want to love God and love others and make a difference. I'm not talking, don't let the occasional wackadoodle that you meet become an excuse for you missing out on what God wants you to be a part of. Dive in and be a part of what God is asking you to do and experience something that is beautiful. But notice the phrase in verse 8. She did what she could. This is not like when you're leaving Target after Christmas shopping and the Salvation Army is out there and you toss a couple dollars in. You did what you could. This is not that. Jesus is talking and he says, she did what she could. 
He's saying what she did was worshiping extravagantly. And right now, you and I have a unique opportunity. We will never be at this address again. We're moving into a new chapter. We're walking through a door of opportunity into what's next in this moment. And I'm praying that God will say about you, I'm praying God will say about me, you did what you could. Not tossing something toward God as a a little tip or a little obligation, but honestly, between now and November 7th, genuinely praying, God, what would you have me, what would you have our family do? And she poured this perfume on his body before she knew the impact of the crucifixion. She poured the perfume before she experienced the benefit of the resurrection. Before any of that, she acted in an extravagant way in anticipation of who God is and what he would do in her life. The same way God is asking us to do this in this season. We don't know what's going to happen over the next 12 months, but before that, we want to be the kind of people that say, okay, God, we're going to seek you and what you lead us to do. That's what we're going to do in anticipation of what you're going to do in and through us. I have no idea what the next 20 or 30 years hold. I don't. Man, I hope God allows me to be a part of, of what's happening in the life of C3 for a long time. I really do. As I grow older, I mean, I, I don't see retirement. I'm hoping I can become that pastor that's like the grandfather that, that everybody wants to hear a little bit of wisdom from, and Angel tell me the wisdom that I need to say. And, and, and so I, I, I'm hoping maybe, maybe I'll ride out on a hover round, and maybe they'll be turbo boosted by then, and I can come out and just kind of sit in a chair and talk, and I'm hoping when I'm 80 years old, it's going to make sense what I say, and I can put sentences together, and I hope I get to be a part of doing this for a long time, but I, I don't know what the next 20 or 30 years will hold. But a few things have become very clear to me. God has given us a home that's beyond anything we could have dreamed of. And I'm I'm not just excited about a building because frankly, this building is precious to me. This building right here because of you. Some of you, I know your story, what God has done in your life. This place is precious and will always be precious. But God has presented us with something, if you heard me share the story of the journey of getting the building, that, that is mind-blowing. We have a staff, a team that is hungry for Jesus and more of what God wants to do in and through us. Those are some things that I know, and what I know is our vision, that no matter what, we will always be connecting communities with Christ. We are always about connecting people with Jesus. That's why in the life of C3, about 92% of the people of you that are part of C3 were not a part of any church for at least five years before you came to C3. We are addicted to life change. We want people who don't know Jesus to have a relationship with Jesus. We want people to grow in that relationship. I want you to not only have a better life, I want you to be better at life. I want you to experience a marriage that God honors and blesses. I want you to experience parenting that is fulfilling where God does something through you and and blesses your kids through you. I want you to have kids that know what it is to honor God and live a life of champions defined not by chasing success, but by chasing significance, which always will bring success. I want you to experience what it is to know every single night when your head hits your pillow that you're being used by God and your life matters. I want you to know that. So our vision will not change. 
It's built on five core values that we share as a community of faith. It sums up who we are, the, the DNA of C3. These five pillars determine everything we're about. They define who we are and whose we are. I don't have time to elaborate this morning. I'll do that in a growth track at the new campus. If you've never been through growth track, man, I'd love for you to experience that. We'll talk about these, but here, here are the five pillars we're built on. Number one, found people, find people. We're passionate about people knowing Jesus. Number two, save people, serve people. If I say Jesus has changed my life, I can give him an hour a week to serve through what the Bible calls as the bride of Christ. And I can serve in a way that I benefit other people. Changed people change. We believe growth is something that should be celebrated. We've got to stop the nonsense of condemning people about what they did five or 10 or 20 years ago, maybe before they met Jesus. We're supposed to change. We're supposed to become better. We're supposed to grow as human beings. And the only sin that cannot be forgiven is, is denying ourselves the opportunity to know God. Cut this garbage out where we slam people and expect them to be perfect all the time when we're not perfect. We need to stop treating people like some kind of commodity that only comes into our lives if we agree with everything they've ever done. Every single person you and I like eyes with is deeply loved by God. What does that mean for you? That means if you've ever made a mistake in your life, the thing that you are the most ashamed of we don't hold it against you, and we're thrilled that you're a part of what God's doing here. It means that if you've ever blown it in your life or said something stupid, you are welcome here, and we know that you matter to God. You have not crossed some kind of line where your life is over, and because God has forgiven us of much, we will always be a forgiving people. It's just who we are. Change people change. Caring people connect. We believe you and I are made for community. And you cannot be the best person. You cannot be the person God intended you to be if you're not in biblical community. That's why we have community groups. And we believe God's people give. God's people give. How do I know if I'm a person of God? Do you give? God's people give. God is about to do something bigger in the life of C3 and through C3 than we've ever experienced. And that's why I want you to be a part of I Will So We Can. I want God to do something bigger in your life over the next 12 months than you have ever experienced. And just like this lady, before the crucifixion, before the resurrection, she leaned into faith, and she gave as an act of worship in an extravagant way, and look what God did. Verse nine, truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And 2,000 years later, on a different continent, in Florida, on a beautiful weather day, we're not just talking about our Savior, we're talking about this lady. Some of you are college students, young people, you're not married yet, you're going to step into I will so we can, and you're going to be investing over and above. And at this new campus, it has an incredible space for children's ministry. And one day you're going to get married and your kids are going to be in rooms you invested in. Some of you, your marriage, you're asking God to do some things and grow your marriage. You're going to be investing in a space that God is going to use to do something incredible in your marriage. Some of you parenting, man, it's, it, it's just rocking your world right now. And you're going to be investing in a space that's going to help you as you gather become more consistent and grow in your parenting and become the parent you'd like to be. None of us ever achieving perfection, but there's going to be growth in your life and you're making an investment in that. And then some of you, 
all of you, the people that you pray for, the people that you're going to be inviting, the people that matter to you that are far from God, you're going to be investing in a place where those people are going to have an encounter with a God who invites them to call him Father. And they're going to meet Jesus because you were faithful and said yes to what God asked you to do. So I want you to glance at these cards for just a moment. On the front side, it's very simple. Don't do this today because I want you to be praying about it. I just want you to be aware there's a place for you to fill out all your contact info. Then the line below email, some of y'all change your email like underwear. You change email all the time. The, the line under email, the total 2022 gift amount, that, that, that's really November 7th, 2021 through October 2022. Whatever you feel like God is leading you to do as you continue to seek him, and please, please, do not do more than God is leading you to do. But please, do not do less than God is leading you to do. I, I'm asking God, one of the things I'm praying, I, I'm, I'm asking God for the number that he leads me in angel. I, I'm asking for it to scare me. I want to lean into extravagant worship. I, I want to do something that God says, man, that, that's beautiful. Our entire team is participating in this. And so that amount you would put there, and, and that's what you plan over the next 12 months, that's what you feel like, God would have you give. There's a place over here for stocks, bonds, things you want to do. You can fill that out. And then on November 7th, we're bringing our first and best offering. And so we check that box down there, and that amount would be right there for November 7th. On the back, just as a help to you, whatever God may lead you to do, there's a breakdown of what it means monthly or annually. All of that is there on the back just as a resource for you. Please take that. Pray about that. And all you're asking God is, God, what do you want me to do in an extravagant way? that you would call beautiful. If you join me on that journey, you're going to see some things that you thought were dead. You're going to see some areas that you thought were harsh and cracked and broken. You're, you're going to see what you've called ugly. God do something that's going to blow your mind. Not because you did something for a week or two, but over the months, the consistency of saying yes to what God asks you to do. He's going to bless you. How do I know it? He says it in his word. This isn't based on my credibility. It's based on God's. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you so much for your deep love for each of us. God, I continue to pray for every person in this room, for every person that says, hey, I'm, I'm a part of C3 Church, that you would show us what you would have us do over and above what we regularly give to I will so we can. God, we are so grateful for the space that you've provided for our church to meet. But we understand it's a building. The church is people. So I pray that we would maximize the opportunity that we have to impact more lives than we ever have. And I pray that while C3 is reaching more and more people and helping more and more people, that in our own lives we would experience more growth personally over the next 12 months in knowing you better, loving you more, experiencing your presence and discerning your will, having your strength when we're weak, knowing what it is in a greater way, the forgiveness that you've given us. God, all that you long to do, pray you'd make us more like Jesus over the next 12 months and to reach more people and help more people than we ever have. Thank you for what you're going to do in and through us. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. This morning as you leave, ushers will be at the doorway with offering buckets. Those of you that, that, man, your faithful generosity, I can't thank you enough. You have positioned us for God to open these doors. It has been your faithfulness. I, I told, I didn't plan on sharing this today, but in the ser- first service, I told them, I, I talk to a lot of pastors each month around the country. I have pastor friends over the years that I've connected with, and who you are as a church, I want you to know it is an honor to be your pastor. I am blown away by you. Because the guys I talk to, there are two churches that I know of, two churches of guys I talk to, who through all of the COVID and everything that we've been through, they've done okay financially. And who you are and what you've done, it, it is your faithfulness financially that has put us in a position to take the step we're about to take. Most, most churches are sucking water financially right now. But who you are, the way you live, the way you put God first financially, God has blessed us. And he's blessed us because of you, and that is not lost on me. I just, I want to see more for C3, and I want to see more for you. So whether you text C3 Orlando to 77977, you drop cash or check, you go to our safe and secure website, give c3.cc, however you give, Just know, every single investment you make in the life of C3, you're investing.